Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, a journalist delves into the abuse, lasting trauma, and economics surrounding the troubled teen industry. We'll review the new podcast, Gooned. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband and love of my life, Kevin Flynn. Hi, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. Also, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm great, thanks. All right. Thanks for letting me do my intro in such a smooth way, Kevin. Sure, go ahead. Also with How was your day? <laughs> it's going okay. How's yours? Super. All right. Can I go now? Sure. Also with us. Did you take the dogs out before we recorded? Because we're going to be here did. a while. Teddy you did. did it, okay, yes. good. Also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of The Final I Curtain. I think I left the iron on. Laura <laughs> Bricker. Hi, Laura. Hey, Rebecca. Boy, you know, I need to make some tea. I'm going to be back in a little bit. <laughs> just kidding. Just, I just got a new teapot. It's a very exciting day in my world. Oh, is oh. it electric? No, but I got my new induction cooktop and you can oh, boil yeah. water so fast on that mother effort. It's amazing. Yeah, Kevin, you know, your your fancy fellow teapot is induction. That's how it works. That's how, yeah, I figured yeah. that's why I get uh, yeah. boil water so fast. Kevin yeah. has, I got him last year as a gift, one of those very fancy fellow teapots with the wooden handle. It's like one of his favorite objects. It's very, very fun to use. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm going to have some tea. It's I a, hate tea, but I can make it. It's really increased your tea consumption has, substantially. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what's happened to me, Kevin, because I get this shiny red teapot. It's beautiful. And I'm like, look, I can boil water. It's like two minutes or less. Boom. Yeah, yeah you, and you know what I'm using it for now? Hot water bottle. Yeah, we've got two hot water bottles in bed every night. <laughs> so like, I, this is no problem. Just hit a button. Our hot water bottles, our hot water bottles have like plaid, uh, Scottish wool koozies oh on them. God. It's wild. And he, Kevin's always like, you want some hot cocoa? Like anything that could use hot water for like a year. <laughs> yeah. I, take the, I pour the water out of the hot water bottle into the hot cocoa <laughs> and vice versa. Yeah. Anyway. And finally, our captain of all things cynical, author of the City Trilogy of Novels, host of Strange Arrivals, and our Patreon deep dive book club podcast host, Toby Ball. Hi, Toby. Hey, Rebecca. Toby, what would you do if you had instant hot water at your command? If I had instant hot water, I'd, what wouldn't I do? Exactly. <laughs> um, so many uses. Yeah. There's tea, there's hot water bottles, there's hot cocoa. Mm-hmm. Runs the gamut. Toddies. Yeah. Could probably pour it over spaghetti. <laughs> no. <laughs> I use it for ramen. I make ramen in this very, I, I'm like, trying to. I'm trying to figure out way. other uses. Yeah. Cream of wheat, maybe. Yeah. Mm. Oatmeal? Or oatmeal. How about the tub? Do you have a nice bath? A tub? Put it in a tub? Just like jump into a hot tub of scalding water? You'd have to like temper it, you know, with a bunch of cold water. But. Yeah. Okay. When we first yeah, got Yeah, also our- take a pretty big uh, little teapot to fill up a tub, probably. In this, uh, this scenario, Toby, you are not for want for any hot water. Oh. Any amount. Oh. It's infinite. Mm. Infinite means forever. Life is good. Yeah. Hot tub. Hot. Oh, hot you tub. You don't want to get it to quite boiling. No. But um, no. I got denied for a hot tub this week by my condo board. Oh. oh. Were they afraid you were going to hook it up yourself? Well, you're not allowed. I wasn't even like going to get a fancy hot tub because like I don't have the wiring. But I was like, could I just get one of those plug and play ones and put it on my sun porch? And they were like, no. Wow. What kind of gulag do you live at? Apparently, I know. I can't put up Christmas lights. There's a lot of rules. But they said it with the weight of the water would cause the porch to settle. And that could like affect my sale value down the road. I was like, 
I'm here to stay, people. I want a hot tub. So mm. maybe you should lobby the condo to put in a. Well, you don't, you don't want a communal hot tub. You don't want to get like legionnaires. <laughs> <laughs> no. And I don't think, especially because I live with like a bunch of retired people. I just, there's a lot of things I don't want to yeah. see in that hot tub. Not to mention there yeah. was actually a legionnaires outbreak, like not too far from you a couple of years ago Over because of Hampton a hot tub. Beach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Delicious. Oh boy. So just a heads up. I've got a uh, special guest in the studio today. Oh, show us. The new oh. kitten. Yeah. And he, <gasps> it, when he wakes up, I think it's going to be. Cute. Kind of a fracas. Adorable. Uh, but, uh, Snuggly. Yeah, he's out. So he and Olaf are fast friends, mm. which means they basically spend all their time wrestling. <laughs> and uh, I think it takes a lot out of Wallace. So he's been zonked for a couple of hours, but he's going to wake up and like hit the ground running. So anyway, fair warning. All right. Oh, I can't wait. This is the highlight of my day. We need some Instagram videos of this uh, cat wrestling. The world needs this. Yeah. I put on Twitter, like mm-hmm. sort of their first encounter where uh, Wallace does some pretty slick moves. Uh, and then after that, it's just been full on. So, yeah, I'll get some stuff. Good. Well, Kevin, um, I think that that, you know, pretty much comprises the chit chat part of, of our podcast this week. You never know. <laughs> what are we talking about? This is obviously uh, Monday's edition of Crime Writers. And what are we talking about on Thursday's edition? Yeah, on Thursday, we're going to be talking about the HBO original documentary film. It's called... Great photo, lovely life. Okay, uh, can we? I gotta give like a trigger warning. Yes, to like a, like for a week ahead of time. It's it's pretty powerful. It's very yeah. powerful. It's a very intense documentary, but that doesn't mean no spoilers that you shouldn't watch it. I'm just gonna say that right now. Just be forewarned. Just be forewarned. It's an intense one. Can I just give one programming note, Kevin? Yes. We've been having a couple of technical issues with the podcast lately on the back end. And we are working on them, especially for those of you who listen on Spotify. We've notified our audio host, the people that work on the back end of that, that we've had some issues for Spotify listeners, and they promise us they're working on it. And so you may have seen funny things like an episode coming out twice. (laughs) That's because we're trying to get it to Spotify people. Um, But one thing that I wanted to say for those of you who listen on Apple Podcasts that would really help us out, if you really want to support our show and love our show, if you could set it so that our podcast downloads to your phone if you're planning on listening to it, that would really help us out because the new iOS has changed all of its default settings. And a lot of podcasts like ours, some people are missing it coming out in the feed altogether. So if you love the podcast and you really want to support the podcast, one thing that you can do is set it so that, you know, it downloads the most recent couple of episodes or however you want it or always downloads the episode. That would just really help us out in terms of making sure that our listeners actually get the show that we're making. Every time there's a change to technology, it like threatens to blow up your entire show. Yes, Yes. It's like, where's your show been? It's like, where it's always been. Exactly. How come Apple messed it all up? Exactly. And it also is not great for our business yeah. <laughs> either. I have one programming note, too. Is we want to remind everybody that tonight, and this is if you're listening on Monday, and this is if you've got an actual episode and not five seconds of silence like some people <laughs> get. Uh, we're having our Patreon holiday parties. Every year we have our patrons join us in a live broadcast and come on and we drink eggnog and we're really looking forward to it. Lara and Toby, are you going to be joining us? Yes. I don't know. Yes. I mean, is my presence really required? Of course I'm going to be there. I'm going to wear my favorite Christmas outfit. Just get ready. Okay, great. Are people going to be bricked? It's going to be, yeah, gross point brick. Well, we you had you to cancel your karaoke party, so we're going to be making up for it. I know. Uh, that was super sad. I know. Yeah, remember mm-hmm. last year, Laura, you were doing it like in front of the fireplace? Mm-hmm. I was quaint AF yeah. last year. We'll see what this year brings. We'll yeah. see. Bring a light. I will. Because <laughs> like, it's all pitch black except the fire over somebody's shoulder. This black outline in front of it could be a microphone. Yeah. So You know, Kevin, we don't have to do it here in the studio. We could do it at some like romantic, cozy location. Yeah, I think I'd rather do it in the studio. <laughs> Lars Hot Tub. Lars Hot Tub, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put my hot tub somewhere else. It's going to be right downtown Exeter. The Exeter Hot Tub. All right. Communal um, hot tub. Put it right in the gazebo. Yeah, in the gazebo. Perfect. It's a bandstand, not a gazebo. What's that fellas? floating on the top there? Hopefully it's just bubbles. Is that enough stalling? <laughs> Is it time for us to uh, review the podcast that we're yeah. supposed to be listening to this week? Why don't we do that? All right, let's go ahead and finally start the show and review the thing we are reviewing. Kevin, can I go ahead and finally drop that first clip right now? Yes. Let's go ahead and get that done. It just sounds like you're delaying even longer. All right, let's do it. All right, drop the clip. Here we go. Lean off. All right. 
The troubled teen industry has been in the business of abuse, neglect, negligence, and malpractice for decades, despite both publicized and buried cases of death, injury, and suicide. The troubled teen industry, or TTI, comprises the wilderness programs, therapeutic boarding schools, and group programs desperate parents turn to when their kids are struggling with mental health, substance misuse, and behavioral issues, whether real or perceived. But many of these programs employ methods based not in research or data, but use deprivation of basic needs, peer pressure, and abuse to force kids into a state of compliance rather than healing. You really are kind of playing a game. You are, you're scared and you're a kid and you're not going to fight back. You become submissive because they've got so much control over you. Often kids are escorted to these programs by so-called goons, transport agencies hired to take kids away from home, often against their will in the dark hours before dawn. But are these goons a last resort tactic for families at the end of their rope or a high ticket legal kidnapping operation? Looking back on it, kind of wannabe military fatigues like black outfits or whatever, and they beat the piss out of me. I tried to beat the piss out of them. I was I was like a buck ten. I was a featherweight trying to go up against heavyweights. In the new independently produced podcast, Gooned, journalist Emma Lehman details many facets of the troubled teen industry, interviewing survivors, former employees, and even impersonating the parent of a teen in crisis in order to dig up dirt on what she asserts is ground zero for the emotional, physical, and psychological abuse that leads to lasting trauma for those the industry is claiming to help. Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about plot points from Gund, so if you want to remain spoiler-free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes for our thumbs-up or thumbs-down reviews. So, Toby, we got to talk about it. The style of this podcast, pretty flat, pretty monotone, and pretty much a drone sound behind the whole thing. Oregon became the first state to regulate teen transport companies with Rule 432 of Oregon's Involuntary Commitment Proceedings titled Standards for the Approval of a Secure Transport Provider to Transport a Person in Custody or on Diversion to an Approved Holding Hospital or Non-Hospital Facility. Did you find the style of this podcast compelling to listen to, yes or no? Uh, I did not. I don't think many people will. You know, part of making a podcast is making it something that people will want to listen to, whether it's entertaining or or enrapturing or, you know, however you want to put it and this doesn't seem to put a whole lot of thought or effort into what the actual presentation is like particularly for the narrator i mean i think that's you know the big thing that hangs over this entire project is do you want to continue listening just because it it is just so flat and there's really it's sort of unrelenting too it's not flat and then suddenly it gets more exciting and then it goes back it just it's pretty much the same tone throughout. Yeah. So, Kevin, you want to talk for a second about who it is that's producing this podcast? I think that's important yeah. to acknowledge. I mean, you said independently produced. It seems to be the sole production of uh, Emma Lehman. Yeah. And, you know, she already identifies as a very young journalist kind of starting out here with this project. This is her second project. She says she's 23. In yeah. The podcast. She's, she's writing research. She, she apparently identifies some outside consulting. So this really could, you know. It's not attached to any sort of studio. This is really kind of, I suppose, a labor of love for her. So it feels like when we do this, it feels like we're punching down because if this were Wondery, you know, with all the resources they have and they turn this out, like we would just fucking destroy this. I never say we. You don't want to speak for everybody in the panel necessarily. All right. right. Well, we'll see when we get there. But even if we're grading on a curve, this is a really deeply flawed podcast from both the production and the content aspect. And I think we'll probably go into that. Do you think the style is a part of the problem here? The narrative style? Yeah. I mean, I, if Toby started to touch on it. Big problem sort of this flat narration. It's, really, it's kind of like his emulate. I think it's trying to emulate, you know, the public radio read honed by This American Life. And I think we were, we were actually making comments about this very recently for I can't remember which podcast it was. Rutherford County. Rutherford County. Right. Um, and especially when it's like narration heavy like this, it's not exclusively narration, but it's really narration heavy. So you do need some kind of life in the delivery. You know, if she sounds bored, then we're going to be bored. And sometimes it kind of sounds like the way she's reading is she doesn't want to disturb the person in the other room while she's recording. Yeah. There's a little bit of sort of hesitance. But yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things I think that like could have benefited the project would be maybe a heavier hand 
from somebody who has done a million of these right. to kind of make it sound a little better. And I think the narration also, like it could have been punched up with musical interludes. And by that, just like a little transitional sting. Like, I guess there's like some kind of tonal stuff in the background. That's all there is. I know they have like original music. I, I don't really hear it throughout. But if you are going to like steal one thing from This American Life, don't steal the narration style, but it's sort of the production sensibility that like we're going to break up all of this talking, talking, talking with a couple of music cues that set an emotional tone and break it up for the listener. Yeah. Well, not to belabor it because, you know, we don't, you know, necessarily always talk about narr- narration style. Mm-hmm. It, it, it really hits home when you hear Emma actually speak to somebody in, a, in an interview and you actually hear her be curious yeah. and stunned. And she's like, you know, really? We had an apartment, a two bedroom apartment. We had 17 people living in the two bedroom apartment. Oh, my, um, like 17 people from straight. Yes. Yeah, I was like, where was this curious person before? I, I was like, is this even her? I was really yeah. surprised. Is that a producer or is that her? She She's, had energy and everything. I think it doesn't that sound yeah. anything like the narrator that we've really heard. Really could have used a lot more of her in the interviewing. Right. So something that I really want to talk about, because I, I know, because I've had a discussion with it with my husband at home, that we have differing opinions about this, is a journalistic tool that Emma chooses to employ in this podcast, which is impersonating somebody in order to get taped interviews for the podcast. I have very strong feelings about this. Laura, I'm curious to know what your feelings are about Emma pretending to be the mother of a troubled teenager in order to get taped interviews with agencies that transport children, with educational consultants, Etc. People within the industry that she's investigating. Yeah, no. I, I guess I look at my background as a journalist. I look at my background right now as a private investigator. I always have to identify myself when I go out on cases. I'm a private investigator. You know, you hear stories about people that think they're going to run some sort of undercover scam. That's not going to hold up anywhere. Also, it's super misleading. And in this instance, I was listening to this as I was walking where she called. And yes, it was very interesting to hear what it would be like for a family member calling one of these transport agencies and asking all the questions, get all the information, because they probably would not have talked to her if she just called and said, I'm a journalist making a podcast about how I want to expose the goon industry. But for me, I just feel like absolutely not. But within five minutes of talking with Diane, she said... You know, you basically have two choices, a wilderness program or more of a residential program that gives them the ability to stabilize, get settled. She recorded the phone call. Is that even legal? I'm not sure where she is, where those people are. I had questions about the legality of doing that. You know me. I love a good expose. I would love to be like, oh, look, I went undercover and I found out this information. But there's like industry standards that you have to follow for ethical reasons. And I feel like to me, that sort of shot the credibility right there by going about it in that way. So, I mean, I, if you're the police, you can do an undercover operation, but she's not the police. So I had some real issue with how that was done. Well, are you know that even in a two-party record say that the police would need a warrant from a judge in order yes. to legally make that recording. We don't I, we don't know if she were in a one-party or two-party state. The difference being two-party state, both sides have right. to know they're being recorded. We, we, we know she lives, Otherwise, we know she lives in tapping. California. We don't know she made the podcast we don't know, in California. We don't know. We don't know yeah. And it's the kind of thing, like, you probably don't drop that in the narrative. Like, by the way, I was, you know, legally able to record. My take, Laura, and I, I think we differ. Is like, I don't really have a big problem with posing when you're an investigative journalist. You're right. It is a tool. I'm curious about whether if afterwards she went back to the educational consultant and revealed who she was and asked for further comment, because we haven't gotten to the end of uh, of our podcast here, and I don't know that. But I mean, I thought it was very productive. And other than the fact that, like, I no listeners don't care, but like I said, you and I were thinking, like, I hope this was legally recorded. You know, I think that's the kind of thing where if you have somebody that can help you out and give you advice then maybe that gets handled in a better way. Like, I love the advice that we give on Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media. I guess it is time for that. Yeah, when we're doing our advice shows, 
like business Mary with time. podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what the music is, right? I, I understand. This musical transition, well, so it kind of breaks things We're going to come back to this conversation after the business section, though, right, Kevin? Well, yeah. I just I couldn't resist. Okay. You know, I'm yes. looking at the time. Is yes. this is a good time yes. to to break up this conversation and to sort of move things along? Asking you to come and join us on Patreon, like we said tonight, we're having our annual holiday party. So if you join us, make sure you got some eggnog. Other things going on. We're going to be doing uh, the Crime Writers on After Show. This week, we're doing uh, gift recommendations, book recommendations that would be great books to give as gifts Mm -hmm. this holiday season. We each have a couple um, that we think, you know, would be great to wrap up, hand to somebody. Tell them this is what you're doing in the next 12 hours. don't do your porno again. She's like, I promise nothing. <laughs> you never know. Don't give it to grandma, though. It makes the holidays so much more titillating. <laughs> Absolutely. Other things we have there is Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club. We have our Married with Podcast podcast that we say. And remember, you can also get all of our episodes ad-free and early um, at the uh, Let's Do What We Do level. So that's what we have on Patreon. Also, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter. It's free. It's free, and you get information about, hey, here's why the podcast was 10 seconds long today. Mm. Go to crimewriterson.com, put in your email address. We promise that we will only send you uh, solicitations for Viagra three times a week and not four. Your newsletter is so good. It's got like a 75% open rate. It's incredible. It's incredible. You know, what else was in it this week was some very exciting news for those people who want to see all four of us in the same location. That's right. Coming up at the Exeter Lit Fest, April 5th through 7th, 2024. We will be doing some Crime Writers on Adjacent Events, which is very exciting. Right, right. All right, so Kevin, um, does that end the business section? Thus ends the business section. I'm going to go ahead and fade that music out right now. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The Volvo XC60 Recharge Plug-In Hybrid is about performance. Not just on the road, but in life. With not only trunk space, but room to make memories. It's electric with a backup plan where the only speed that matters is how fast you can slow down. The Volvo XC60 Recharge Plug-In Hybrid. Performance where it matters the most. Visit volvocars.com US to learn more. So, Toby, before that ham-fisted entree into the business hey, section. Hey, now! <laughs> we were discussing Emma's choice to call people and pose as somebody else and tape those conversations in order to obtain information about this industry. Which, by the way, would be a fireable offense in the newsroom where I work. It's right there in the code of ethics that you can't pretend to be someone else. But anyway, what are your thoughts about that? Well, when that happened, what it recalled for me was when we were watching Navalny and Alexander Navalny like starts calling up, I guess KGB agents about their attempt to poison suspected him. Suspected KGB agents, people he suspected of being KGB agents. Right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's not get sued on that. And uh, <laughs> you know what? You don't want the Russians coming after you. Yeah, that that'd be bad. So I guess the question I had, which it sounds like you might have an opinion on, is like, why is that like hilarious and fun, and then this is you know, unethical and super problematic. You know, part of it is I don't really have a sense of like how Emma is positioning herself. Like, is she, is she positioning herself as a journalist, as a researcher? I mean, I guess I don't have a sense of that. And maybe part of it is just my natural, like being not very sympathetic to these people who she's kind of hoaxing. 
but it didn't strike me as being super problematic, but I'm interested in hearing why maybe I'm not getting it. Yeah. So to me, there's just like a lot of as a spectrum of journalistic issues with this. And she does. I mean, by the way, all the press materials for this podcast frame her as a as a journalist. So I'm okay. assuming that that's the framing that she looks at herself with. There are myriad other ways she could have gotten exactly the same information without posing as another person on the phone and taping these people without their consent. Myriad other ways. She could have interviewed experts. She could have asked these people as a journalist to talk to her. She could have found somebody who used to work in the gooning industry by looking on LinkedIn. She could have asked a parent who had done it to see their quote or talk to a parent about it. She actually has a source in the podcast who is a parent. Um, so she could have gotten another source who is a parent who has used one. I mean, there's so many other ways she could have gotten that information. Whereas Navalny, I don't think there's any other way he could have figured out who put poison in his underwear other than him trying to do it himself. I really don't. So there's that. There are other journalistic issues with this podcast, like assertions that don't make sense. You know, for instance, saying about Google reviews, you know, all of a sudden bad Google reviews of this business were taken down and a bunch of good ones showed up. That's like, that's every business. A restaurant does the same thing. A resort does the same thing as if it's unique to this business. There's an assertion that, you know, I couldn't find someone to talk to who was in this situation, the situation where the courts had put them in this TTI outfit after their parents got divorced, after parental alienation was, you know, claimed. I couldn't find a survivor of that to talk to, which just proves that these victims are voiceless. I'm like, no, it proves you couldn't find someone to talk to, that maybe there aren't as many people out there who've been victims of this as you're asserting there are. Like, there's so many things like that in the podcast that, her then calling people and pretending to be somebody else, like to me, it was just like, you need an editor, man, to tell you that that is an okay, that's, that, that's your, if that's your last resort, that's your last resort. But to me, that's not the last resort here. Like that is a last resort tactic, not a first resort tactic. I mean, that, that's where I land on it. And for me, the Navalny thing, like that's a last resort tactic. I mean, that, that's how I see it. I don't know if, if that makes sense to you. Does that make sense? Uh, it does kind of. I mean, I don't necessarily agree that Navalny really, that was his only option. I mean, that guy had huge, huge resources True. compared to to Emma, who... who. But they were trying to murder him. Stakes were really high. They were trying to murder him. I mean, that's that's where I see the difference. But I, I, I do want to talk about something that you said, Toby, was that these aren't good guys. So can you just talk about what you think this podcast exposes that's important? Because you've got lots of notes about that, too. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the troubled teen industry, you know, and it's something we've we've looked at other podcasts that have looked at this, but it's, it's awful basically. I mean, I, I think there are probably some reputable programs. Uh, I mean, there, there's certainly some that have been around since like I was a teen, not that I was involved in any of these, but like Knowles and uh, Outward Bound and stuff have been around forever. I don't think they necessarily fall into sort of the rubric that these do. Um, like if you're willing to expose these people, like that's like, signing your name on the SATs, as far as I'm concerned, like you already get some points. And I, I just, I thought some of this stuff was actually pretty interesting and stuff that we hadn't heard before. I think her talking about that ridiculous trade organization that they have, where it's essentially just a fee collecting organization that doesn't do anything else. And occasionally like will testify and sort of say stuff until they're really, really pushed on things. And it turns out they don't do anything so I, I just thought her sort of look at the institution, like broadly drawn, the institution of of the uh, troubled teen industry, like I learned quite a bit from that. I also learned that it hits pretty freaking close to home is in like three miles away at University of New Hampshire, where uh, the guy who has the database supposedly for all this data they're getting works at UNH and actually helped found their like outdoor learning center, which I've been to many times. So, you know, this clearly has problems. And the, the whole time I was listening to it, I was like, you know, if she had just could have gotten like two people with experience, like one person who was like a story editor and one person who was like a producer to sit down with her and sort of craft the story. So it was a little more, you know, crafted for engagement rather than sort of like you know, I could see this as a report, you know, rather than a piece of mm -hmm. journalism. And then, you know, just have somebody who's a producer to be like, you know, 
and then like, trust me, I get this too. When I'm doing my podcast is like, can you do that again? But pretend you're awake. And, <laughs> um, Does that work? Because we'll use it. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and, and things like that, you know, and, and I think it could have been like, I think she's got interesting information. I think the topic it's never like not timely because kids keep going to these things and it doesn't seem like regulation is getting any stiffer. I just thought that this could have been so much more. And I think it was a lack of sort of resources and people who she could go to for advice on things might've been a problem, but that's just, that's speculation. Yeah. And I, I, I think Toby, this would probably made a really interesting magazine article. As opposed to, you know, trying to produce it and render it in, in this uh, this medium. One of my big concerns, though, is the amount of editorializing that she does. I mean, I was surprised, like, right in the beginning, she, she comes out, like, wondering out loud how this uh, educational consultant, I think she wonders how she sleeps at night. I was like, ouch. After discovering the truth of the troubled teen industry from the perspective of those who had gone through it, I was struggling to feign ignorance and struggling even harder to understand how Diane slept at night. But it's full of like all these editorial descriptors that I, I just think are unnecessary because a lot of it's self-evident. But, you know, there's, she'll say things like, oh, you know, the, uh, the educational curriculum is lacking. Well, I mean, says who? You? There's no attribution to some of these things, which would be fine because I'm sure people will say that. There's an example where she says, and again, this is like editorializing. We, she, she describes something as NATSAP, which is the organization Toby was referring to, that they have quote unquote research and then like 30 seconds later there's a soundbite when the person says quote unquote research like that's an example of sort of bad writing because that's an we call an echo lead but that is an example of how you could use that she doesn't need to say quote unquote or say that it's whatever it's horrible you have people to say that and you can set them up to say that and use only that and make that point even if you want to like put your thumb on the scale but there's just like a lot of passages where it's just her piling on, which is, again, I suppose fine, but you don't need to push a boulder that's already running downhill. Yeah. And if you do that, you're likely to get you know trampled yourself. So yeah. I had a problem with the editorializing because I didn't think it was necessary. I, I mean, as you point out, Kevin, too, like after hearing about how horrible the kidnapping is, which I agree is horrible, yeah. the fact that you can pay for it, she then does a rundown of the of the quote and that the hotels are overpriced, and the car rentals are overpriced. You're supposed to bring receipts, Rebecca. And I, but I'm, but I'm also just like, but also like, aren't you paying for the time for these like people I, to come? It's like that's not addressed at all. Like I'm assuming there's an ad that you're also padding it because the hourly rate for these people to come. And well, well, one little thing kids. for me, and then I'll just, I'll yeah. just shut up yeah. because I need to shut up. You know, it's in, it's very very hard in an audio medium to comprehend. All those things like this cost this, this cost that. And it wasn't like $5,000, like $8,270. And compare that to the market rate of whatever. You can't process that listening to it. That's something you got to watch. And more importantly, don't give me all that. Tell me what, why is it important? Give me the context instead. Don't tell me what every line item is in the thing. That's fucking boring. There's, there's actually- and I, I missed the point. If you're just going to say they mark it up. 75% from whatever, I, again, I don't know how you determine what market rate is, but live in my world, yeah. right? Market rate for kidnapping. Exactly. Yeah. One one <laughs> great <laughs> audio example of numbers that I just want to point people to if they want to hear it done well. Yeah. My colleague Taylor Quimby produced an episode of a series called Windfall for Outside In where they were talking about this ridiculous kilowatt complicated fucking situation and he used marbles in a bucket to like demonstrate. It was so smart. I'm not saying that would have been good here, but also like don't these people deserve an hourly rate also for kidnapping? But Laura, you have to admit <laughs> the kidnapping is fucking bananas. Oh yeah. No, absolutely. And I, I guess I had to put myself in the position of what desperate level of parenting would you be at where you felt like that was an okay option for your kid? You know, but the fact that they're so nonchalant about it, the fact that they have it all prepared for the airline, like we have this thing that like signs and don't worry, once they get to the airline, they never run. Like, you know, usually they're scared in the beginning, but then they're like, well, they're just resigned to be there. But the visual that I had in my head of these guys, like getting on a plane, flying to wherever that was, was it Idaho that she was posing Utah, as? Utah, maybe? Yeah, somewhere there, yeah. Renting a car, driving to the house, coming before dawn because you knew everybody would be gone and whatever, or be asleep. It was really quite something to think about the context of how 
parents could rationalize that as being an okay thing to do for their children and what position they would have to be in where they felt like that was the only option that they had for their children and that somehow they were rationalizing this as this is what needs to happen at this point. Do you know what I mean? I think that's what I was thinking. You know, I'm like, whoa. I do. I mean, I know more than one person and one one person in particular that I know very well who a therapeutic boarding school like saved their child's life, period. Mm -hmm. Like, and even the adult child now would not dispute that in any way. Very structured program, group therapy settings, great academics, the whole thing. Uh, Therapeutic boarding school in Connecticut literally like put when she was a child from a, you know, a really difficult situation on course to have like a really productive young adulthood. And she's still struggling with the kinds of things one would struggle with if they have mental health issues, but like really, really, really great program. And that's never acknowledged in here. I don't think either that there are some really great ones. But the other thing, Laura, is there are some clearly not great ones, as in one Mm -hmm. where you get rewarded with a bagged salad. Yeah. So I think what was interesting is We've heard a lot of these, you know, I wouldn't say a lot, but we, we've we've listened to and watched other media about this whole industry. And, I mean, you know, we had the really dramatic one where the kid, like, tried to escape them on the mountain and disappeared and died and all that. In this case, though, it was like it almost reminded, as I was listening to it, I think maybe just because we just watched a cult documentary and I was thinking about cults, but, like, the moving up the levels and the certain behavior that you were having to adhere to and your reward at the end was the bagged salad and how excited some of these kids were for the bagged salad and how to them that tasted like the best vegetable ever because the food there was so bad. I definitely got like cult vibes of this like, well, you're in level one and then, you know, you want to go to level two and then you got to get to level three. And it was like this whole sort of Scientology. Well, that yeah, no, it definitely was. I was like, oh, this is so interesting. So this place is basically like a cult. So, yeah, that was that was fascinating to me. But, you know, when you were saying there are some that are good, I mean, I liked the inclusion of the one guy who was like, actually, this did turn my life around going to this program. And I'm still in touch with the people that I went with. He credits straight for giving him structure, for teaching him what he was capable of and ultimately for keeping him alive. It gave me tools that I've used the rest of my life and I've built on and developed. It also had some dysfunctional shit that went on. It's got negative and positive effects on me. Like when Kevin was talking about the editorializing that was happening in this, that was the part of this picture that I wish there had been some more pushback on. I wish that there had been a little bit more on the flip side of like, there are some programs that are fucking wacky, but there are also some programs that are good. And, And yes, they are probably also strict because- In some situations, that's what you need. And I'm not condoning any of the horrible things we heard in this, but I think there's a bigger picture here. And like you said, you had somebody that you knew who had a child that went to a program and it really helped them. And I think, you know, it would have been interesting to hear a little bit more about that perspective. I want to push back on that a little bit in that, I mean, she's pretty clear and I, I don't, it wasn't a surprise to me that none of this is based on actual evidence. Like there's no studies, there's nothing that shows that these programs actually work. I mean, I think there's sort of a societal expectation that this kind of thing, but it seems like it's based on some really like sort of retrograde ideas about how you get people to change their behaviors, which is essentially as far as I can tell, you know, if if you suffer enough, you'll be willing to comply with whatever we want you to comply with. If so the if program involves that, which they don't all do. Right. But the ones that she talked, she didn't talk about any that didn't. Right. right I mean, right. she was sort of focused on this one type of program that's either wilderness or ones on a, you know, in a facility or whatever, but where it really is, you know, this whole, we'll tear you down and build you back up again, which again is not based on science. So it's the kind of thing where, yeah, it's hard to get government funding because what government wants to fund are things that are proven to work. And this is just, you know, this is just assertions, right? It, it, it's sort of this militaristic one size fits all. If your kid, and, and I think some of these kids aren't really like these kids aren't all going to rehab. A lot of these kids are going because they're super depressed and they, you know, they did self harm or they have oppositional defiance disorder or whatever it is. Which some people also say isn't a real thing, by the way. Right, right. So they call it obstinate 
defiance disorder, which op- I thought op- was oppositional it, defiant disorder. Yeah, it was, it was it was obstinate, is what one of the people yeah. said. I thought oh, oh, that's yeah. so charming. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, it's the exactly. same thing. You're being obstinate. So anyway, I don't know. I don't like this idea that there's like some wisdom in these kinds of programs. Like, show me some data. <laughs> but what know? if there had been? What if there had been the the contrast to the kinds of programs where there is data? Where, well, where that, I mean, that's fine, but that's not what she, I mean, she was doing like an expose on these kinds of programs. She right. wasn't, I don't think, doing a survey of right, right. all the kinds of teen programs you can go to. Right. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The Volvo XC60 Recharge Plug-In Hybrid is about performance. Not just on the road, but in life. With not only trunk space, but room to make memories. It's electric with a backup plan where the only speed that matters is how fast you can slow down. The Volvo XC60 Recharge Plug-In Hybrid. Performance where it matters the most. Visit volvocars.com US to learn more. All right, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out the new podcast, Gooned? Laura Bricker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Gooned? So unfortunately, this is a thumbs down for me. I had a really hard time paying attention to this podcast because it sounded the same so much of the time that I wasn't sure when I should pay attention to something and when I shouldn't pay attention to something. So far, we've listened to eight episodes. I think in four episodes... We could have gotten a picture of the story that the host was trying to share in a way that would have been more impactful because there was certainly a lot of people that had been uh, involved with the troubled teen industry, either as participants or parents or um, talking heads. And I think a lot of them were allowed to sort of ramble on without a lot of editing, which, as I'm listening to that, made it less impactful because there wasn't as much of a concise story being told. There was just a lot of information that was put out there. So unfortunately, I think it's an important story to learn about, but this podcast for me just didn't do it. And so unfortunately, it's a thumbs down. Toy Ball, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Gooned? Yeah, I mean, I think I liked it more than the rest of you did. That being said, there's like a lot of sort of basic podcasting things that are that are wrong, basically, I guess, uh, with this podcast. I mean, she doesn't make it easy for you, right? I mean, I'm sort of interested in this stuff in general anyway, so I kind of had to adjust to the way everything's delivered and the fact that you got to kind of hang in there through things. So once I got sort of used to the style or lack of such. I, I found some of the stuff to be pretty interesting, but you know, it just doesn't tick boxes of what you think of as a professionally produced podcast in 2023. I mean, it, it just it just doesn't. So I'm I'm sort of a mild thumbs down. You know, in the end, I just I wish that there had been more of a team around this to sort of both form it narratively and then also production wise into something that was easier to kind of follow and sort of more intriguing on its face and things like that. As it is, I think, you know, she's got interesting stuff in here, but it's just, you really got to hang in there. And if you're not interested in the subject, I I just don't think you're going to hang in there for very long. So it's, it's a, it's a mild thumbs down. And I guess that's, that's my verdict. Kevin Flynn. I'm also thumbs down. We've covered this topic in a couple of other podcasts, Sent Away, The Lost Kids, and The Sunshine Place. Gooned, 
doesn't quite it brings a couple of little things that we hadn't touched on in those but it's really not strong enough to stand on its own emma identifies herself as a young journalist and i think even experienced journalists need to be surrounded by a team to help with the news gathering and the news writing and the production and so to kind of DIY it here really did a disservice. I thought what did the most disservice is that we didn't really have a lot of Emma in this, which could have helped because the one time where we sort of she breaks through, it's just an interjection. And then we hear again, like on a phone call, she's just, you know, waiting for thinks she made the wrong number. I'm like, who is this person? Because this person could have been in here. We don't know why she's doing this podcast in the sense that does she have a connection to this topic? That would have been interesting. However, again, I still feel like there was a lot of editorializing. There was a lot that was wrong with it. And this is an accomplishment for her professionally. She put it on her resume. I hope she gets a job. But this isn't a good podcast for people to listen to. Yeah, it sums down for me too, Kevin. I agree with everything you say. Um, I don't think she's going to need to. I mean, it's going to be successful because people will listen to it. Just I mean, buzz, yeah. They, they just will. I mean, she's got a good press team. People will listen to it. It's gotten written up a couple places, but it's not good. Uh, it's just not. And the thing that I keep comparing it to, just in terms of like the background of the person who made it, Simon Kent Fung, who made Dear Alana, was a graphic designer. Mm-hmm. You know, he works a web designer, a designer. He worked on like. You know, he didn't do anything related to podcasting before he made Dear Alana, but there was a story he wanted to do and he, you know, did the pitches and he ended up working with a team to do it. And that team, you know, helped him put together something that, you know, and I know that we all had differing sort of spectrums of opinions about it, but made it into a thing that was like responsible you know, well done, beautifully crafted, sounded really good. And things do have to be entertaining, for lack of a better word, even when they're really grim. You have to want to listen to the next episode, which is what my definition of entertaining is. And you can, with no experience in this medium, make something good if you seek out the help to do it in a way that's, you know, compelling. Also, we've listened to things that someone is brand new to the medium has made that has sounded really bad, but because their delivery and their, like, think about when we first listened to Murdoch Murders, which we all fucking that, yeah. gave a thumbs up to, even though sometimes it was one channel only in one ear, because Mandy Matney was just herself. In the, she yeah. was just herself, and she was, like, doing it at her kitchen table with her dog barking, and we were like, this is wildly raw. You know, like, it, it, it's either one or the other, but you can't do sort of cosplay doing this. And expect it to be good just because you're cosplay doing it. And that's what this podcast felt like to me. And that might sound harsh, and I, don't, I really don't mean it to be because I think that all the good intentions were there, but ultimately the product just did not land. So yeah, it's a thumbs down for me for Gooned. Now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast, a little something I like to call the crime Out of the, of the week. From the Blade Runner beat, people in China are using technology to help them deal with grief. Now they can see videos of their loved ones created by artificial intelligence. Using less than a minute of actual footage, the system can fabricate an avatar that speaks comforting messages to the living. Their hope is to one day create completely interactive avatars so the bereaved can carry on their relationships. Some see it as a helpful tool for those dealing with grief from the death of a loved one. But like everything with AI, others are uneasy about its implications. In addition to the dearly departed, they can create avatars of those kids who never call to check on you or your ex-girlfriend who will say nothing but nice things about you. Or maybe even an imaginary girlfriend like Joy from Blade Runner, which is the first thing I thought of. We may be unsure if there's a heaven, but thanks to Mark Zuckerberg, there is a metaverse where we can all get together after we are gone. So panel, we just can't quit you. What will your AI-created avatar say to your loved ones? Laura Bricker. Here, kitty, kitty, kitty. You're (laughs) such a good boy. (laughs) (laughs) Joey, what will your AI-created avatar say to your loved ones? Have you checked the mail? (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Kevin? Does this coffin make me look fat? (laughs) Mine will be like, can somebody switch the laundry, please? You know? Be like, go back down to hell. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for us. Laura Bricker, if folks want to reach out to you and uh, give you other suggestions for your AI-generated avatar, how can they find you on social media? And they can find me at Laura Bricker. What about you, Toby Ball? How can you be found to find those videos of Wallace? At Toby Ball and H. Kevin Flynn, what about you? 
I'm at Kevin P. Flynn. If you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram or everywhere else, you can find me at Reb Lavoy. You can follow the show everywhere at Crime Writers On. And I encourage you, please join our incredible community in our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. We also have a regular Facebook page. Go there, hit join the group. It's a pin post. We also have a community on Reddit at Crime Writers On. Get episodes early and ad-free at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You get the Crime Writers on After Show, Married with Podcast, Laura Bricker's Leave It to Bricker Podcast, and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club Podcasts. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the handsome Livy Burdett. The executive producer of this program is Kevin Flynn. This show was recorded in the Treehouse Yoga Studio above the Mockingbird Cafe in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi Studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our New Hampshire basement where I also give Kevin a bagged salad as a reward for being a very good boy. Thanks, Mommy. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. Later. I think the cat's awake. Oh, goody. Yeah! Yeah, comes the cat! Kevin doesn't even like cats and he wants to see this cat. Oh my god, what a cute kitty. Oh, now all we need is for Lara to talk about UFOs and Freaky Friday will be over. What a cute cat. What a, look at that cat, look how compliant it is. He just he just woke up. <laughs> oh. He's got back from his wilderness program. Came back from his wilderness program. <laughs> BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.